Welcome to a live recording of the HSP podcast. I'm Julie Bieland and I'm here with Willow McIntosh. Hey, Willow. Hi, Julie. Great to be here. Yay. Yeah, we have um, fun talking before we even start recording. <laughs> I like that part. Um, we're here with the beautiful and amazing sensitive empowerment community. I, I'm just so happy to be joined by you and we really love being in your energy. Um, and I uh, wanted to make a quick announcement about the community. We have a new group inside the community called Spiral Up, and it's about overcoming depression, healing, belonging, and thriving. And it is already, we just started this group. Gracie King is running it, and she is incredible, and it's already shaping up to be something amazing, a really supportive, sort of sacred space. Uh, to talk about depression, to support each other. Uh, It's just incredible. So I wanted to let everybody know that that's a new group inside of our community. And if that's something that's been a part of your experience, we hope you'll come join us. Um, So today's topic, uh, Willow is your pick, is called how to manage low energy, negative thoughts, and over-processing as HSPs. So take it away, Willow. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. Yes. So this is an area that I felt will be quite beneficial for us to to look at. It's an area that has been a, a big part of my own development. And a part of the reason for that is because the, for the reason that we all share as as HSPs that we are we're uh, processing is the, the depth of processing is one of the one of the abilities that we have and that's something that can serve us and it can also turn against us or we can turn it in on ourselves if we allow our thoughts and our minds to overprocess for us to fall into self judgment and criticism especially when our energy gets low and how we can work with negative thoughts and what kind of tools and techniques we can utilize to help in this area. And one of the reasons I'm really passionate about this is because I have a really, really creative mind. My mind is incredibly busy and I'm processing, I'm really curious about the world around me. And when that's working for me and I'm in a positive uh, positive frame of mind, then it's amazing. And when my energy's low, it's over the years, it's been really challenging for me to, to handle that. And so, so I've learned many techniques that I now utilize, and I've come to realize that much of much of the, 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 the anxiety and the stress that that causes is just not necessary. It's, it, there's ways around that. So, so I'm looking forward to us diving into that today and to, to share some ideas. And I'd love to hear, of course, tools and techniques you have, Julie. Um, and, and yeah, and what, how does that, um, tell me a little bit about how that works for you, Julie, or how, your experience of that. Yeah, this is such a great topic. I know that this is something a lot of us experience. I was thinking about this the other day about how we actually talked about this a little bit in the community just a couple of days ago about, um, how, like when our energy is low, it's like our, for me, like my old, my old inner child, messages come in like the feelings of not being good enough some of those feelings start kind of creeping in when my energy is low and it's like the negative thoughts start to take over more that's it's a really interesting thing it's part of when I was doing so much of my inner work 
um, it started to make me realize how incredibly important it was for me to really be on top of my balance, like my life balance and my, and my self-care that works for me. Otherwise I would go into those places and it would surprise me sometimes. Cause I'd think like, Oh, I thought those messages were behind me. And it was almost like they would take over. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely right. And, 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 and raising the, the piece around the inner child, this is a this is a really interesting area to begin with, and 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 there's a I know that there's a difference obviously between our inner child in terms of listening to the needs of our inner child, and then also the the patterns and the conditioning that we developed as children to protect and look after ourselves, which we bring into our adult life, and it's when those that, that those programs and patterns run which are not serving us, and that. That is what I have found to be, um, it, can, it can be really painful to relive constantly those ongoing patterns of thinking, especially around not being good enough or um, the areas of, of self-judgment and, and lack of self-trust and self-doubt, those areas that tend to arise when we are low in energy, things are not going our way, or we're just experiencing a bad day for some reason, then that's, in my experience, that's when these thoughts happen. That's when, you know, we tend to turn on ourselves and almost blame ourselves for why are we feeling like this? And, and, and this is, when this happens, it's so important to recognize that these are not, these are not thoughts that are coming from an authentic version of ourselves. These, these are, these are thoughts that are trying to protect us in one way or another. So as children, we developed these coping mechanisms that served us as children that would protect us, but now they definitely don't work as adults. And we have a choice as to whether we identify with these thoughts and recognize that they're not coming from a place of authenticity. And in that, in that way, we can question and challenge them and subvert them. Yeah, what a great conversation. I, and Robbie's already saying totally relates to that. And, and Lily's sharing that this is so helpful already. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's, it's almost like the wounded inner child uh, comes into play. And it's, uh, and, and for me, it was, I was thinking, as you were saying, that's like, what benefit would have that have been in my childhood? I think for me, it was about, it would make my walls kind of like my heart walls go up. So if my wall was up, then I, at the time, that's how I thought that I protected myself from the pain that I was experiencing around me. But at the same time, if I stay with my wall up, I'm disconnected and I'm lonely and uh, I'm, I'm really not able to have those deep connections that I need to thrive. So in my life, I had to really learn how to... Um, how to put that wall down in safe situations and how to practice doing that and how to take care of myself in those vulnerable moments so that I could connect to others and, and not stay behind that wall, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a really good example. It's a really good example. And one, one of the things that many of us as, as HSPs struggle with is, is, being, is being misunderstood as children. So if we were told that we're too sensitive or you know, why are you, why are you reacting in this way? You know, why are you, why is the feeling so intense for you around this? You know, there, there was a, there was so much of our inner world was, was misunderstood. 
And the problem is, is that what happens in that is we start to reject ourselves. We start to think, we start to assume that there's something wrong with us. And, and those, those thought patterns continue on. So one of, one of the things that's really interesting here that I've, I've come to realize over the years is that when we are on a path of self-help or self-development, if we are coming from the thinking that there's something wrong that we actually have to change and work on, what happens is much of our inner dialogue is around trying to fix or assuming that something needs to be fixed because it's fundamentally wrong in some way. So that that is it's it's a it's a it's a um, it's a it's a hole that we can fall into where it's not there isn't anything for us to fix. There's nothing wrong with us. We are already perfect in the way that we are. So it's recognizing that when those thoughts happen, it's sometimes because. As children, we were in this conversation that there was something wrong because we were oversensitive or what it was feeling, and therefore we think there's something to fix. And that's what—that's such an important thing to identify is when that thought process, happen, process happens. That's not personal development. That's not helping. That is actually that's in conflict with ourselves. If that makes sense. You know, you're talking about something so powerful, because if you think about that, just don't want everybody to visualize a child for a moment, our sensitive child experiencing some really intense emotional pain, for example. And if that child is getting the message that that they that something is wrong with the way they're experiencing things, can we imagine that extra thousand pound weight that goes on to that already intense feeling? And this is a child. So how are they going to manage that? How are they going to deal with that? That, you know, we're experiencing something so difficult. Other people are not experiencing it in the same way around us. We're getting messages that something's wrong with the way we're experiencing it instead of getting the support we need to work through that intense emotion. And, and to get that kind of message that something is broken within us for experiencing the world so deeply that we need to fix ourselves or maybe as adults, we, we go into places of wanting to numb our experience. This is why I have a theory that if we were to do research on um, people who are struggling in addiction and also people who have a lot of suicidal ideation, I would guess that we would see a lot of them are people who have this trait. And if anybody's listening who does research, I would love to work with you and do some research around this because I think we need to get this known. Because if we if we get it known and we understand it, that's how we develop support for people. Yes, well said. My goodness me, such important words there. Yes, and you know it's when when we're in the. I, th I think one of what's really came through there. What, what you said there, Julie, is that. I think what happens when we're children is if we're told there's something wrong, then we feel like we have to change in order to be accepted and to be loved. And, and that, oh, that's a very, yes. yeah, right. <laughs> oh my gosh, Willow. Yes. That's, yeah. that is so true. Right. And, and that, that is a, that's a, that's a very painful experience as a child is, is I've got to behave or be, I've got to be a different person in order to be loved and to be accepted. And as, and as, and as children, that's, that's a very serious thought process because as children, if we, if we are rejected from the family unit, well, that means, I mean, that's a fate worse than death, or it, it means you know, that we're not gonna be able to be able to protect and look after ourselves. We're not gonna be able to look after our needs. What's, what is that gonna mean for us? 
So, so coming into adult, into adulthood, where we are, where we're experiencing ourselves in the normal way, where we're experiencing things deeply, and we're going about our day and doing our things, you know, it, the, the choice now is to recognize that how, whatever we're feeling is okay. There's nothing wrong here. It doesn't mean that we have to be a certain way to be accepted and to be loved. Now is the opportunity for us to recognize that the whole of us can be accepted and welcomed into our own arms of self-love to acknowledge and accept however we're feeling and learn that that learned response of judgment and criticism is not ours. That doesn't belong to us. And it's not something that we need to continue. Oh my gosh. I have so much to say about all of that. That is so true, Willow. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So many things I can go with here. Um, What you were saying about, we have to change ourselves to be loved. I think so many of us have felt that I know for myself, I, I thought I just have to put a smile on my face all the time. And that's what was expected. And that would hide what I was actually truly feeling. And you know, one one of the things, and you talked about this learned response. I think that is so powerful. And and one of the things that comes up a lot in our community when people come into the sensitive empowerment community is that people talk about how they feel like they can be authentic. And the reason for that is because they're surrounded by sensitive people who get it. (laughs) And I think that's important, no matter where you are in the world, that you have sensitive people in your life so that you, you see that, yeah, we do feel things deeply. Of course, we're impacted by tragedy and really painful things happening. Of course, that's the case. And yes, it is magnified for us. So let's just validate that and normalize that. And, and that whatever we do feel is okay. Because if, we're, if we are adding in that, that learned judgment, you know, where we, where we, that we received as children, so many of us, then, I, I mean, life becomes unbearable if we're, if we're feeling the intensity of the pain and we think there's something wrong with us that we feel that way, that's when it becomes unbearable. So, so the whole process of healing in this area is it starts with normalizing and validating that yes, you are, we are deep feelers. We do feel things intensely. It is part of how we were created. It is part of the reason this trait exists is we need deep feelers in the world. So we've got to change the stigma around that, that when you feel something deeply, that makes sense because you're a highly sensitive person. And it's okay. And let's instead of judging ourselves, let's instead support ourselves. And I know so many of us had to do that internal inner child work to, to change those messages, to learn how to love and support ourselves through this. Yeah, my goodness me, well said. Absolutely right. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And, it, and it's, yes, I couldn't agree more. You know, it, it's recognizing that we're supposed to be feeling deeply. We're supposed to be processing the world around us deeply. We're supposed to be noticing things that other people don't notice. We're supposed to be seeing the world in a different way. Nature has intended this trade. And, and I, one, of the, one of the greatest breakthroughs that I've had in my own journey was, was actually really being honest about how I really do feel and see the world around me and, and the experiences that I have around other people and, and what really matters to me. And, and the more that I've truly opened to that and really acknowledged and accepted, the more I have noticed that the power of my negative thoughts has lessened. I, I've come to realize that they, those were just thoughts and, and pa- patterns and habits that were 
old. They, they weren't mine. They weren't really for me. And so, and so what I found now is that when I fall into those days where, you know, I'm in a, in a place of negativity or I notice those thoughts coming in, I just ask myself sometimes the question, is that true? And I know Byron Katie's done a huge amount of work around this, and this is, that, that's kind of her phrase. But goodness me, it makes such a difference. You know, when, when we're being mean to ourselves and we're, there is that self-doubt and self-judgment, is to ask ourselves, is, is that actually really mine? Is that really true? And, and what, what we find, what I found, is when you actually challenge the thought process, it kind of loses its power over you. It's almost like it, it notices that it's been seen, <laughs> and, then it, and then it kind of quietens down. So I really do recommend playing with that a little bit, is just to tune in into ground and just question the thought process. It's like, does this actually belong to me, this thought process? And that for me has been very beneficial. That's a great um, thing to do. And plus, just by asking that question, you're triggering and activating the cognitive part of the brain so that that is going to support the emotional brain. Because for us as HSPs, our emotional brain can sometimes be so overactivated that our cognitive brain goes to sleep. And the cognitive brain is the part that has the rational thought that can say this is real and that isn't. So it's important for us to wake that part up again so that, that just by asking that question, you're doing that. You're, you're waking that cognitive brain up to go, hey, okay, let me look at this with more, with more rational rather than irrational thought. Um, and that makes all the difference. And in the moment, it is a great thing to, to practice on a daily basis, like even now, part of my practice, I mean, I've obviously done a lot of work on myself over the years. Um, and part of my practice now is that I, when I get that, I notice the feeling, we often notice it in our bodies first. So maybe we're noticing something in our body that's, that's part of that emotional trigger that we're having. And now I, I used to, let me talk about what I used to do, because I know a lot of you listening are doing this, is you know, oh my God, what's wrong with you? Seriously, you're, you're upset about this again. Why are you so sensitive? What's wrong with you? These were the words that I was saying to myself, you know, you're weak, you're fragile. Nobody else has this problem. And, you know, where did I get that language? Where did that come from? That probably came from my childhood. And now it, with lots of work, um, I now go to a place where I catch the trigger and I'm okay. I'm, I'm noticing that I'm really feeling something right now. Like, what is that? Let me just kind of take a moment. I take some deep breaths and some stillness and I kind of check in with myself. Okay. What's going on? You know, like try to be loving with myself in a, almost like a curious investigation of what I'm experiencing. And that's been really helpful for me because it, it, it stops that slippery slide. Like it used to just be like the slippery slide to doom, <laughs> you know, like I had no control over it. It would just go there. And now I feel the sense of control over it. Like, okay, I can support myself through this. What do I need right now that will support myself through this? And I can follow through with giving myself that support and it. It makes all the difference. Yeah. Amazing. So that, that's such a wonderful technique. I, I love that. And yes, you know, and it's um, it's noticing that slippery slope into doom. That that's a really good way of putting it. I think it's it's recognizing when we go into those those patterns. You know, they say that ninety percent of our thoughts are exactly the same as the ones we had yesterday. And 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 I think when we go into that that commonplace, you know, it's like 
you know, the examples that you've given there, um, I have similar examples too. And I, and I find myself sometimes when I'm in that trajectory and I realize sometimes, you know, my mind in a sense is trying to look after me. Like it's, our, our human minds are wired to look out for fear and problems. You know, if we were all in this kind of state of joyful oblivion, we wouldn't necessarily notice the hole in the road coming up or the snarling dog in the next door neighbor's garden or whatever it may be. You know, we, we need to be we need to be on guard. But the, the thing is, is, is when we let our minds master us in that way, when we believe the ongoing thought processes that are happening, that's when I think we get into a real pickle. And I think that is when it's very important to stop and recognize that. It's like, what is this continuous thought process that I'm in right now? Is this something I do on a regular basis? Yes, it is. It's, it's something I repeat. And is this actually serving me right now? And I know it's easier said than done when we're busy and we've got to be productive, we've got to get things done and, you know, the whole busyness of life. But actually just stopping and questioning and, as you say, triggering that cognitive part of our part of our brain, but also just to be present in the moment and ask what it is that we're trying to achieve right now with this thought process. Is this actually serving me what I'm thinking right now? And, and, and that, uh, you know, that, um, that line of inquiry, I find, and, and coming into the moment, it just allows me to recognize that this is not a thought process that is actually serving me. It's just something that is running on autopilot. Yeah, it, it, that when I learned about the negativity bias in the brain, I think that that changed everything for me. It was like, oh, there's a reason why it's so easy to focus on the negatives. I mean, you can have you know, a hundred positive things said about you. And then there's the one negative and that's exactly where your brain locks onto. And that is part of the negativity bias. It's part of how our ancestors survived by paying attention to threats. And we do have to make that really conscious decision, very intentional and conscious to actually uh, make sure we're filling up that positivity tank because it takes five to eight positives just to neutralize one negative in the brain. And we don't do that normally. And it takes up to 20 seconds to, to focus on that positive for it to really soak in, whereas negatives are instant. So these are great things to understand about our, our brain and how it works and how we have to be careful about what we're exposing ourselves to. And if we think about you know, the sort of modern societal expectations kind of don't work for sensitive people. And we talk a lot about this in, in, our, in all of our episodes and in our community and stuff is that we have to do things differently. And we, that really starts with, you know, giving ourselves an understanding that we, it's okay to be in a different lane than other people. And in fact, we need to be, I always say kind of joke around now that like I'm out of the box. And if I try to get put into a box, it doesn't work for me. And so now that's just part of, you know, how I accept myself that I'm going to need to do things differently. And sometimes that even means that I give myself, you know, a whole day uh, on my own. For example, if I'm really out of balance or I haven't been feeling well or something's gone on that's really stressful and I'm sort of feeling that, you know, like I'm heading towards that doom tunnel, I'll sometimes just kind of stop and go, you know, I think I need to cancel whatever I had planned and I need to take care of my needs today. And lately, something I've been doing a lot, Willow, that's been helping, um, I've always meditated for a, a number of years, but I created this, this area in my home now 
that um, is specifically for that. So what I do is I have a yoga mat down and then I have some really dim lighting there and I, I do yoga stretches, a little bit of yoga, like yin yoga, very soft and gentle. And then I end with silent meditation. And for a long time, I only did guided meditation, but lately I've been doing a lot of silent meditation and it has been remarkable in how it's like turned down that motor inside of me that I think a lot of us have, because we're so we, we just have that, um, you know, we're talking about it's hard to turn your brain off. And I think a lot of HSPs are like that. Um, and so I often talk about it in like three steps where like the first step is to notice that you're going to have a lot of racing thoughts when you slow down and, and stop doing, and that's okay. Uh, and especially if you haven't really slowed down and, and, and been in silence and stillness like that for a long time or ever, it can take a lot of time to get used to doing that. So then how I do it is I think about, okay, what are the thoughts that are coming up over and over again for me when I'm trying to be still? And those are things I'm going to journal about later. And then in my second stage, I really focus more on my body, my breathing, see if I can expand that space between thought a little bit more and really being compassionate with myself through the process. So if I start thinking about something again, it's okay. Just kind of push away that thought and get to it later. And into the third stage, when you keep practicing this every day, you actually notice it's almost like the vibration inside your body, or sometimes I call it like an internal motor, just kind of slows down and you feel the sense of stillness. And it, if you are somebody that struggles with anxiety, this is such a good practice because you're slowing everything down. You're slowing that motor, you're slowing and settling that nervous system. And so it impacts you so much. Like I started sleeping much deeper. I tend to do this towards the evening and uh, I started sleeping much deeper. I feel just a sense of calmness a little bit more than I was feeling before. So it's been something that's been a really really wonderful practice for me. Wow. I absolutely love that. Yes. Goodness me. I mean, we should all be following those steps. Exactly. And, and I, I have a, I have a similar a process. So, so I find, you know, in the same way that you, you said that when my mind's running and my mind's going mad, or if, you know, I can, I can feel when I, I disconnect, I can feel when my, my body and my, my mind starts to lift my, my head almost kind of, kind of, kind of comes off my shoulders and I'm, I'm up in head world and there's no real connection to my body. And I've, I immediately know, notice that now. And I start to do the same thing. So I also love to meditate. So whether I, whether if, if I sit down and, and I go into a meditative state and I've also got places in, in, that, in my home that I love to do that. And, and I find when I allow my conscious awareness simply to descend into my body, sometimes it's almost feeling like I open a trap door in my neck and I just allow everything to kind of just flush down into my body. And in doing that, in that process of grounding and just shifting my focus from my thoughts into my body, even if I'm just feeling myself sitting on the cushion, what begins to happen is just the same way you described, Judy, is I, I start to feel that there is this other version of me that resides in my body. There's a, there's a place of stillness and calm. And I come to realize that I'm, I'm not my thoughts. Like my, that's not me. And I, do, I reach that place either through meditation or whether when I go swimming or whether, I, whether I'm in nature, if I'm walking in nature. 
And, I, and I've come to realize over the years that there is all of us, and this is certainly through the practice that I've done with many clients over the years and in myself, that all of us have a place of truth within us. We have a place of, of a sense of self that is a place of calm, a joyful, relaxed nature that's connected with all things. You know, we, we each of us have, have our words for that. But that is a place that's accessible to all of us. And I think as HSPs, when we start to recognize that in that stillness is the truth of who we are, what we're really here to do, and we can learn to develop that muscle through these practices and techniques to come to realize that those limiting negative thoughts that are against us, that's not the truth of who we are. There is another reality that is always there for us. Oh, I like that. And I like that you mentioned that you feel that swimming, like in water. I think if if you're someone that has never really been able to do this practice, if you can get into water somehow, even if it's yeah. a bath, um, that it's it's sometimes easier to reach that state in water or amongst trees. Um, that's a really, like if you can be in an area where it's really quiet and there's a lot of trees and connecting to the trees, these are also ways to kind of connect into ourselves because we're, we're so as sensitive people are so connected to nature and it's often how we connect to ourselves by being in nature. So that's something that we want to really be able to do every single day and, you know, move away from that constant busyness and, um, you know, HSPs really love to, by default, we tend to want to be really productive and we're always helping everybody by default. Uh, and often without really doing this kind of conscious awareness, we aren't paying attention to ourselves. And so, but you can start and you can start with these practices by even, um, you know, every time you go to the bathroom, you check in with yourself. How am I doing? What do I need? Notice what's going on in your body. Is your body signaling something to you that is happening that you need to pay attention to? Um, it, you know, if you're somebody that has, you, you want to think that there's so many aspects of this that uh, are important, but even just think of it as like these little baby steps up this ladder, just one step at a time makes a difference in your overall wellness as a sensitive person. This is a trait of sensory processing sensitivity. So giving yourself time to rest your senses, closing your eyes, being in silence, these are things that are really important. Being in spaces where you're not going to be disrupted, where you don't feel like you're kind of aware somebody's going to walk in on you at any moment, but being able to be maybe behind a closed door with the, with the door locked, or if you're a parent, <laughs> make sure that you're having time for yourself in these ways, because you will come back as the parent you want to be. If you are supporting yourself, we have to remove any kind of messages that say that somehow, um, I, I think a lot of parents get this message that somehow you just have to give up everything that you need to take care of your kids. But in fact, you'll end up being really irritable and impatient and lose your temper. And that's not the kind of parent you want to be. So really taking these times to support yourself through this. And if you're a busy working professional, you're just busy all the time. You have a lot of people around you all the time. Make sure you're taking these times to yourself. We recommend that you have daily time to yourself. If you can get into nature doing it, that's the most restorative that we've seen um, through all the research we've done. Getting into quiet nature spaces every day is one of the best things you can do.
Yes, amazing. Absolutely. I'm exactly the same. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's wonderful, um, uh, uh, Tony Robbins talks about um, shifting state, which is what I really find when I get into water. And actually he has a, um, he has a, a, it's like a kind of, um, it's almost like a, a round circle of water that he had, like, like almost like a kind of a, a very small pool that he's put in his garden, which is just ice cold water. And he jumps in that every day. And it's, it's very, you know, it's, it's deep enough just to dive into or jump into and come out again. And, and that's exactly the experience that I get when I get in the water. Like I'll, I'll come, I'll be, you know, I'll be driving to the, to the beach and, and my mind's spinning and think, oh, I've got to do this. And like, what about that? And what about this? And, and as soon as I get in the water, it's like, it's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> I just come up, you know, it's just like, what am I worrying about? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. It's just immediate, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I I think it's um, it's so important to do that. It's 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 so important to remember that that's available to us at any moment. Like whatever's happening, we always have the option to get into nature, get into water, even if it's the local pool, whatever it is, to know that we can shift state and switch off that that you know that ongoing processing. But also, you mentioned something very important there as well. I think you know, like um, if we are getting super overwhelmed. Um, by, you know, um, as parents or as work, whatever. Sometimes when I, when everything really gets on top of me, I've got this, this phrase that I have in my mind. It's like, okay, everything's on fire right now. When my whole central nervous system is just like totally overloaded. And I know I have to do something about that. I have to look after myself in, in some way. And I recognize that I, you know, I can't allow myself to get to that point. But I think when we are, when we're experiencing sensory overload in that way you know sometimes like um there's a there's a sat there's someone hammering like five miles away in another town and i can just feel that click <laughs> you know and it's like oh i just want to get in, under a duvet right now you know when, whenever that happens you know i know that i i have i have to make sure that i i have the the right um the right things in place that i know where i can completely switch off where i've got that total boundary where I, I can make it known that I, I absolutely need space and time right now and, and to really attend to that you know if you're in that place where you're, you're feeling super reactive it's just to recognize that you're overloaded and and that's okay and you can shift it and and, and actually we're very very good at shifting that that quickly very quickly um, so it's really good to for these techniques that, you, that you're saying, Julie, and ways that we can shift that. It's so important to have that in our tool bag to think, you know, okay, I need to jump in the car, I need to go and do this, or I need to be alone, you know, I need to, I need to recuperate. There's something else that you said there, actually, Joe. So I just want to touch on um, around depression, which I um, there's something I heard recently, which is very very interesting around this. There's um, uh, there's a there's a famous Canadian psychologist. I know we all know him, um, Jordan Peterson. I know he's he's not everyone's cup of tea, and I, I completely understand that. He was saying the other day that one of the things that they've noticed in clinical research is people with depression use the pronouns I and me a lot. And he was saying this is not to say that people suffering with the depression are self-centered in any way, but it means that the focus is on the self. And one of the greatest um, cures or remedies for depression is, is, to, is to serve, is, is to work for others in some way, even if it's in the tiniest way, even if it's just volunteering time. And I think that is actually a really important shift for us as, as HSPs is to, rec to remember that we are here to serve in one way or another. We're, 
we, we have this trait for a reason. We're very, very good in a particular area of life that we're very skilled in our own personal way, you know, um, in relation to our abilities as, as high sensory people. And I think it's so important to recognize that we have the opportunity always to shift our focus into service in one way or another. And, and I think that helps tremendously is to take that focus off the self um, and to recognize that's also available to us. Yes, I, I think giving is something that is, especially when you when you realize what you're giving is off, offering, if it's helping someone else, that's one of the best feelings in the world. Um, I want to go into a, another thing that you said about sensory overload that's so important. And before that, I just want to say to the community that's live with us right now, if you guys have anything you want to comment on or ask questions about, I'm going to pay attention to the chat now. So it'd be a good time to put it in there while we're talking. Um, you said something about sensory overload that's so important, Willow. I think if you're if you're someone that's experiencing it, you know, most likely if you're experiencing like irritability, agitation, maybe you're feeling really impatient, you're maybe your temper is flared. These are all signs that you might be in sensory overload. And nausea is also another one. Like I experience nausea when I'm in sensory overload. We recently um, went on a little like three, four day getaway with my family. And it was this really windy drive to get there. So I purposely drove thinking that that would help because I, as a passenger, I would get, I get car sick on windy roads. Um, so I was kind of doing okay, but for some reason, the second day, I just got so nauseous and I was like realizing that, um, I think I was in sensory overload with between the travel and just, you know, being around the family all day and just the excitement of everything and the sightseeing and different things we were doing that um, because I was aware of sensory overload and I wouldn't have used to be like they used to be in the past when I would feel that way. I'd be like, well, everybody else is okay. Why am I the one always getting sick? See, see that negative messaging. Instead, I was able to go, you know what? I need to go lay down. I put my eye mask on because this is sensory overload and I really needed to rest my senses. I put my earplugs in, I got into bed. I put a heavy blanket over me for, you know, to uh, like my weighted blanket that I travel with, by the way. And I started feeling so much better in, and I was able to enjoy the rest of the trip. I ended up getting nauseous after I got home again <laughs> and needed to deal with that for a while, but at least I was able to experience a good time with my family because I was aware of that sensory overload and I needed to be careful with that, make sure I was giving myself breaks, you know, like when in the evening when everybody was maybe decided to watch a show in the night together or something, instead of doing that, I went and rested by myself so that I could enjoy the next day more. So just these little ways that we kind of support ourselves is really helpful. Um, and I just wanted to kind of throw that in there. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. I, that, that's so important. And, and I, once we recognize just how important that is for ourselves, then we start to factor in how we're going to get that time exactly as you've, as you've said it there you know everyone else is watching a movie this is a great opportunity for me to go and rest and recharge and i do exactly the same thing but the thing is, is if i don't do that 
then I'm no use to anyone and especially not myself. And I sit there and I disconnect and I separate and I, this big grin forms on my face and I'm not really there in the room and it's just, it's a horrible feeling. So I know, <laughs> no. so if, if I look up, you know what I mean? So if I just take that time to look, to look after myself. And, and, and even if it's sometimes for 10 minutes, you know, sometimes if I just go and, uh, sit somewhere quietly in the garden and and just feel my feet on the ground. And it literally, in a couple of minutes, maximum 10 minutes, I can completely ground my energy again. And I feel my whole self flushing internally. And when I come back again, I'm, I'm renewed. It's not to say that it can always be remedied in 10 minutes, but it's just recognizing the importance of, of making sure we're factoring these things in. And, and we get you get good at it. You know, sometimes, yes, you need to tell people what you're doing, but sometimes you can get away with doing it and no one really notices. Yeah. You know, it, what it's so important because uh, having worked with so many HSPs over the years, even as a psychotherapist, I remember um, giving these, you know, kind of educating my clients about stuff like this. And they would come back and go, nobody even cared that I took a walk or, you know, I, I left the, uh, I left early or I came later. Or I went, went out to the garden. It was like, they, we start to think that everybody's going to care so much about that. And it stops us from doing it. But in fact, people don't really care. And what, what <laughs> if you're taking care of your own needs, that's a good thing that you can come back and be present. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. We don't have to explain. We, you know, it's, it's, yeah. And 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 you're absolutely right. People, people, people don't notice, or, uh, you know, it, I, I think we make a big deal about of it. We think, oh gosh, you know, I've got to do this. No one else has to do this. Like, is this? Does this make me weird? It, it's, it's. We've got to reframe our thinking around that. We have to understand that we are a highly tuned operating system that's processing the world at a deep level. And there's a very good reason for that. And yes, we need to rest. So, you know, it's, we've got to take the judgment away from it and just give ourselves what we need. And it makes a massive difference. And it means that we can re-engage in that conversation. It means that we can really deeply listen to the people again, that we love, that really need us for that. You know, the, we, we forget just how important we are as HSPs in the lives of others. And if we're not looking after ourselves, we can't be the best for them. So, you know, it, it's important to recognize these things. Yes. And it's really, I love it when people, when HSPs come back and share that, wow, you know, my, my partner's noticing, my family's noticing that I'm just feel, you know, happier or more joyful. I'm just more present, things like that. These are some of the words we're starting to see when people actually are doing these things. And Alicia is saying, even eyes closed and being still can be powerful for 20 to 30 minutes every day. I totally agree with that. That's an excellent practice just to, just to close your eyes. I mean, 80% of our stimulation is visual. So closing your eyes. I also, so many of us are sensitive um, in, in, in all of our senses. So if there's a way for you to really slow down and, and not take anything else in for a little bit every day. Because remember, if you're thinking about that nervous system as being a container, you're dumping in hundreds of cups of information that you need to process. And somebody without the trait is just putting in a few cups. So you have more to process. That's the depth of processing part of this. So if you don't process it, what's going to happen is going to impact your sleep. And then you're not going to feel well the next day. And it's going to be this never ending cycle of just feeling kind of awful when you could feel good. So, oh, so many good things <clears throat> to say about this. Um, 
And before we wrap up, I wanted to mention, uh, I wanted to give you a chance, Willow, to talk about, you have this coaching program that is really great about supporting people to help HSPs to find like their gifts in the world, to be able to actually share their gifts in the world. And we're going to put a link to that in the show notes. If you go to hsppodcast.com, there'll be a link in the show notes um, that can take you to learn a little bit more about that program. But do you want to say anything, Willow, about that? Yeah, thank you. Yes, yes. So it's um, through through my my years of, of working with HSPs, it it, it comes. It, it's it's apparent just how gifted we are at coaching, facilitating, serving others in one way or another. We're people, people. We're very, very good at reading other people. We have uh, a great. We we have a lot to give in this area. And, and the, the program is designed to, to help us to recognize that we have a natural ability to do this. And we also have a natural area of expertise in, in terms of how our life has evolved in our own personal way. And, and processing deeply in the way that we do makes us very, very good at reading others. And a part of the, the process of the program actually helps us to recognize that the, the, the journey really back to a sense of self for us as HSPs is the path to meaning and purpose. And, and this, this program is really designed to do that. It's helped us to recognize that the royal advisor in us is incredibly valuable to people. And it's something that we love to do. And we, we have a superpower in this area. We're very, very good at it. And so it's an opportunity not to learn someone else's coaching technique or another framework, but actually to reveal our own in an area of life that fascinates us the most. And you can try this in stages. You don't have to commit to the whole program. You can actually taste it just to see if this is for you. You can join one of the facilitation groups where I actually uh, work with each of you individually within the group and help you to see this ability within yourself. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, it'd be wonderful to, to, uh, to talk to you. I'm, I'm available just to chat on Zoom if, you, if you're interested in that. There's, there's uh, um, there's a link in the uh, there's a, there's a button in the link. If you open the page, you can just book a call with me, and I can just chat to you to see if this is for you. Yeah, it's wonderful. And we have even Alicia saying Willow's course is amazing and doesn't want it to end. And Gracie oh. saying yes, Alicia Willow's high sensory coaching program is incredible. Yeah, I mean it's such a neat thing to to really help people use their gifts in in support of helping other people. I mean, I think that's such a beautiful thing. So definitely check that out. If you're looking for something to do really meaningful work in the world, that's a great way to kind of get started. So I want to just say to everybody who joined us live today, I love you guys. I really love that you were here with us and that you um, we're going to share all the comments. I'm going to read through the comments when we're done too, and I'll be posting those in the community. And uh, what a fantastic topic, Willow, that you picked. And I really appreciate everything that you shared today. Thank you so much, Judy. Thank you. It's so wonderful to be a part of this conversation with you. And I wish everyone a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, wherever you may be. And, and please know that, you know, that there, these techniques work. It's just a matter of trying it and just trusting that there is a whole other world of peace and harmony within you and that we don't need to be at the mercy of our, of our minds and our thoughts. So with that, I wish you all a wonderful, wonderful uh, rest of your day, as I say, wherever you are. I'm very much looking forward to seeing you next time.
Yay. And next time, everybody, we're going to be answering your questions. So if you'd like to come join our sensitive empowerment community and submit some questions for us and join us live on the next podcast, we'd love to have you. And uh, you can find the podcast and join the community and, uh, and see all the episodes that we've done together. You can go to sensitiveconnection.com to see everything that we've talked about. And as I said, I'll be putting links in the show notes. And thank you everyone for being here with us. And we will see you in the Sensitive Empowerment Community. Love you all. Take good care of yourselves. Bye-bye everybody. Bye-bye.